Okay, so we've established this is episode 14. Absolutely. We've made so many episodes, we're starting to lose track. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> and we can't count very high. <laughs> we're just sucking math. Not even math, just counting. Yeah, they, they, we're not doing a good job on the podcast, we're just bad at math. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Uh, so 14 even means you do I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, yeah. Welcome to No Sick Days, a gaming podcast. I'm Chris. I'm John. And we are two self-employed friends who have been playing games together for the past 28 years, and we've decided to share our experiences and love of the genre with you. You're welcome. So, so very welcome. That's <laughs> weird. So very welcome. You I'm like never, that? I'm never going to get through the intro without laughing. For some cool. Right, that's great. <laughs> All right, so why don't you start us off, because you were playing a game that I'm interested in. Yeah. Uh, wait, do you want to do the catch-up stuff first? Nah, I just want to get hyped about this game. Shit. Okay. Just hype me up. Okay, Talos Principle. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me. You really want to, I'm not going to get you that. All right, so... <laughs> I want to get hyped up about a puzzle game. Shit. Uh, well, it's definitely a puzzle game. Okay. Okay. Is it Portal? It's Imagine Portal, except okay, I like it. there are no portals, Wait. and you can't jump, okay. and it all exists on a single plane. Okay. Okay. All right. Is there, are you hyped is yet? There, is there an evil robot taunting you? Uh, there are... No, there's a... No. No, there's not. What is this game? I don't understand. I don't Why know. am I hyped for this game? Uh, well, you're in some ruins that okay. are ancient, but That's there are also Gatling guns... What? With laser sights attached to certain parts randomly. Okay. With random power switches. So. Do, you, do you shoot people? No. Because uh, then it wouldn't be a puzzle game. No, you take these weird objects called, uh, what do they call them? Jammers. Okay. And then you aim it at the Gatling gun and it jams it. But remember, the, the jammers look like a piece of like construction equipment. And then the Gatling gun, remember now, this is set in what is essentially like old Grecian ruins. Okay. Uh, Those are my favorite ruins. And then the Gatling gun stops and you can walk past it. And and then occasionally there's also these weird floating spheres that if they detect you with their laser sights, they'll explode. But you can also jam those with the jammer. And then there's force fields. You know, it's... Sounds like a puzzle game. It's incredibly incongruous. Is that what I'm trying to say? Uh, It's very odd. It doesn't... It's like you turn the corner like, well, that's a Gatling gun from a... <laughs> it looks like somebody just took it out of a different game and Uh-oh. stuck it into this game. Like an anachronism. Yeah, it's like, that doesn't fit. Anachronistic. Maybe not quite what does Yeah. Fits. Yeah. All right. Well, look, here's the background. So, uh, Talos Principle was another one of the uh, games, a puzzle game released by uh, Digital Devolver, which we have on our... Uh, steam, or steam, kind of our steam boxes set up at the brewery. So I was right. to play it. I played it because you had mentioned last episode that Talos Principle is considered among the top three puzzle games ever made. It's port, the Portal games, something else, The Witness, The Witness, and then Talos Principle. Yeah, I would rank those as the three. I don't want to say ever made, but in the modern genre, at That's least, because you could argue Mist, right? Uh, and I haven't played Mist in a while. Or in like but I, 20 years. <laughs> yeah, or in 20 years. Uh, I've played The Witness and Portal and Portal 2, and those are my top 50 lists. I mean, and I don't play a ton of puzzle games because I don't usually care for the genre, mm-hmm. but Talos Principle is the other one on the list. Yeah, well, I have also played the Portal games extensively, and I love those games. Um, 
the way this I have not played. This one's, yeah, so, so far, it's, I don't know yet. I mean, I, I, to be totally fair, I've only played about 30 minutes of it. Okay. There's definitely some mystery building. I can sense that there's this uh, greater story that's going to be happening around the puzzle aspect, much like Portal 2. Right. Uh, which is what was so great about it, because it had this other story happening. So, you know, multiple, multiple levels of things were occurring in the game. But uh, so far, it's just, it just feels kind of... The juxtaposition of, like, it's just weird to see... It, how do I put this? So it's not like you turn a corner and there's a, an antiquated Gatling gun that's been attached to this brick wall that looks like it's been sitting there for a thousand years waiting for somebody to come by. And you kind of, in the story, you kind of start getting a sense that a shitload of time has passed, right? No, it's like, it's like literally five minutes earlier, some worker came in and bolted a brand new Gatling gun to the wall, <laughs> ran a wire over to this on-off switch that's conveniently placed behind a force field, except it's all in the middle of like these Greek or Roman ruins. So it doesn't, so far it doesn't like add up. Right. Does that make so, sense? So theoretically, they're going to explain this and make it all make sense. I hope so. But right now, you're just confused. Yeah, and so and my, that's the thing with, with Portal 2. One thing they did well is the odd elements still mixed in well with the game, I, the game setting, I guess. Yeah, it all flowed in really well together. Right, and this one is, is kind of uh, shocking in a bad way. Okay. Because you just see it for the first time, you're just like, it, it literally looks like somebody just like cut and like somebody modded the game and added that into something. Maybe else. it's the equivalent of an action game having a character who seems like they're going to be important just die in the first 30 minutes. Um, and it's just, I no, mean, not quite the same, but it's supposed to shock you. No, I'd say it's more like you're playing a first-person shooter and you turn a corner and Mario is standing there. <laughs> and you're like, you shouldn't be there. And then you try to go past him and he jumps on your head and kills you. So you have to figure out a way to get past Mario in your first-person shooter. And that that's... That's what I mean by Mama Mia. Yeah, that's what I mean by it doesn't make sense. It's kind of just why is that there? That doesn't shouldn't. Uh, nope. Oh man, I can't wait to play GTA Mario Edition. Fuck yeah! <laughs> it might actually get me to play GTA. Yeah, so I, I got to play some Talos Principle, and uh, I'm gonna keep playing it. I, I'm not. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep at it for a bit. Yeah, longer. it seems like it's at least. Worth trying a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. With that kind of rating, it's uh, worth more than 30 minutes of my time. I wasn't bored with it. I just stopped playing because uh, one of our regulars stopped in and we ended up playing Bros. Force together, which is fun. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what about you? What have you been playing? Uh, so I had played a little bit of Pillars of Eternity 2, and I'm still liking it. I did... I'm trying to slow down my gameplay on it, though, because the DLC, the first DLC is coming out for it August 2nd, mm -hmm. uh, called Beast of Winter, and it's going to add... The whole new area designed around uh, one of the particular gods in the game that I'm kind of interested in exploring. So I don't want to over-level the content, and, or don't want to be over-leveled for it, because I want it to be challenging content. Because okay. the game is at its best when you're playing it on a challenging setting, in my opinion. Because the combat system is really good, and playing on the hardest difficulty, the combat feels really tight in, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So I pushed it off, and I decided to go in a completely different direction. I wanted to get into more action games, so uh, one store was having a big sale on just a whole lot of games, so I bought Far Cry 3, <laughs> Prey, and Dying Light okay. for about $30 for all three of them. I think that's a good deal. And yeah, it's a it's a pretty good deal overall. So I kind of started jumping into those. Uh, Dying Light, I played for a couple hours, maybe three hours, and I think it really nailed put the final nail in the coffin for survival games because it just feels very repetitive to me. There's just lots of grinding to get better stuff to then fight other things to get better stuff. Uh, the game kind of reminded me of Mirror's Edge meets Diablo. So isn't it like every game? 
No, because... Fight things to get better stuff, so fight things to get better you, The stuff. thing is, like, doing those individual things, there's no interesting mechanics. Like, the mechanics don't change from point A to point B. Okay. Whereas, let's say pillars, I'm playing that, I have these spells and these skills at level 1, right? And I have limited enemies I'm fighting. And then level 5, I get more stuff, but the enemies get more stuff. And so now my tactics and strategies and everything are evolving and changing. Okay. And depending on what classes I bring along, the gameplay changes. Dying Light, it's like... Well, I got a better club that does more damage. Or oh, now enemy. I yeah, now I did has, electric damage. Yeah, the enemy He's, has more health. So the enemy has more health. Yeah, it's ba- it always stays balanced, I guess. Yeah, it's no... balanced, but not super. And the, the combat, in some ways, is also annoying because if you fight a big enemy, there's a kind of mini boss enemy you fight early on, mm-hmm. and I hit him uh, forty times probably. I was on the hardest difficulty or second hardest difficulty, I think. I hit him 40 times, he still didn't die, and I was just like, why is this in the game? <laughs> this is absolutely asinine. It's kind of spongy. It was super spongy. Just okay. not fun. So the game, as I understand it, reading a little bit more about it, is about just running away. But I, there's better games for just running away, in my opinion. The parkour <laughs> system is cool, but it gets repetitive pretty quickly. <laughs> Who plays a game to run away from things? A lot of people, people really like this, this game. This beautiful 40-hour-long game with all these incredible creatures that you're not supposed to fight. Just run. Well, that's the thing that... I don't know. The creatures aren't. They're zombies. Oh, so it's, we built it's like this, running away from zombies. Built this game with uh, filled with uh, zombies, which are you know, yeah, you know that. But yeah, you don't fight them; you run away. That's that's what happens. That sounds like not a fun game to play. Yeah, I can understand why people like it because it maybe feels a little bit scarier, maybe. But here's going back to there's no going back to an earlier episode. There's no tension in the game because you die, you lose some experience or something, yeah. but. It's not that big of a deal, so I'm going through, and I just don't care if I die. I don't really care what happens, and at that point, once I realized that, I just uninstalled it. Uh, <laughs> so I don't care. I started playing Prey pretty recently. I'm two hours into that. It's like uh, System Shock 2. Okay. Uh, I play that, but that's one of my favorites. It's a, a crazy, catastrophic event happens, and you're going through and exploring this ship and trying to figure out some crazy things. The game is very cool so far, except it's trivially easy. I hope that all the other benefits of the game outweigh it. Even though I'm playing on hard and survival mode and some other difficult stuff, yeah. there are just an abundance of resources even early on in the game that make it kind of trivial. I'm still playing it, though. Okay. And then Far Cry 3 uh, was actually the first of those I've played, but uh, it led me to kind of stopping open-world shooters, sandboxy games as a genre also. Uh I enjoyed it for about five or six hours, mm-hmm. and then the repetition of, like, go kill these guys in a stronghold, go kill guys in the world, just shoot things, got repetitive in a sense of, uh, I don't know, I've just played shooters, I think, mm-hmm. enough that just shooting people isn't very interesting, and that's what the game is, is shooting people. There are stealth mechanics in the game that I think are pretty well done for an action game, yeah. and that they're not too stealthy. Like, there's a lot of leeway for getting away with things you shouldn't be able to in a stealth game, but in this it lets you do it. So you can do some kind of cool melee kills, and that kept me going for a little bit longer than it would have otherwise, mm-hmm. but at some point it's just, I know what the tactics are for what I'm doing here. I'm not changing up too much on my gameplay. I've seen everything there is to see in about five hours. So I'm glad you said that because I think I think Far Cry 3 may just not be... So I've played some games like that where it's just it gets too repetitive too quickly. Um, there are some other open world shooter sandbox games which are phenomenal because 
the mission stay fresh. So it's not like that. Um, and that mostly revolves around the world and story they've created. So it's not just go kill these five guys or go kill these six guys. Um, I think the story in Far Cry 3 actually is pretty interesting. It, there's full of, it's full of plot holes. <laughs> oh, that's... But you don't realize it until after it's all said and done that there's a lot of plot holes. The... I, it was good enough that I finished the story on YouTube. I had about an hour left of story gameplay. Maybe I played it more than five hours. Maybe I played it like eight hours. I don't okay. really remember. But but I had about an hour left of the story to complete. You're so I watched to, it on YouTube. You're able to get through the story in, in eight hours? The whole game is 15 hours. But when you're playing the game, the whole the game is 15 hours on howlongtobeat.com. I don't know how long it oh, really okay. took me. And I don't know if you play has a timer tracker if it does i didn't look at it normally i look at steam and i can see what i've been playing so i might be a little bit off but i think it's in the five to eight hour range the uh main story isn't super super long i mean a lot of the gameplay also revolves around you like doing other stuff getting other things killing strongholds opening up part of the world which is cool at first until you kind of yeah see through the veil so that's why so before we even started recording um, you know, I threw out names like uh, Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto V, and I can say with confidence that neither of those games have that uh, flaw, in that they don't they don't drive. It's never just like, okay, here's your next mission, go kill these five guys. All right, here's your next mission to drive the story, but it's just going to kill these five guys. They do a good job. Both those games do a great job of like. Um, yeah, I mean, at some point you're stealing cars and shooting people, but it's it's everything gets changed around so much each time, and they make it ex- the way they make it exciting, and especially Grand Theft Auto make it like absurd and silly at times. Right. I'm, I'm hesitant to buy into it. I think what we should do let's just dive into another segment for okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So we'll 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 cover that a little bit more. But yeah, so Far Cry Three, I stopped playing it. So unfortunately, out of the three games I bought, only one has a chance, and it's teetering on the edge a little <laughs> bit because. It doesn't have the difficult gameplay or even a modicum of difficulty that I normally like. There are games on my favorite of all time that are trivially easy. Yeah. So it's not necessarily going to make it a no, but I'm hesitant to really buy into it because of that. Sure. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Uh, that's, that's what you get when you get buy three games on sale. <laughs> that's so, exactly what happens. I mean, there are three well-reviewed games, but yeah, nonetheless. Should, apparently should have gone with Far Cry 4. That's. I don't think that's true. <laughs> And then you, uh, I think, were doing some other stuff. One of them, some of them good, some of them bad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the last three on my list for the opening here: uh, Reigns, which we talked about last time, which I bought during the uh, during the break, yeah, during the intermission. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so I've, I've played a decent amount of it now, and it's it's fun. It's not like how do I put? It? It's a good game. It's well made. Um, and at first, my first impression was it wasn't it wasn't that deep. I was kind of like, oh, that's it. Um, but the more I'm playing it, like more stuff is starting to open up. And I'm not, I haven't stopped playing it. It's still on my phone. I still play it every few days. I'll jump on and play it for a little bit. So I think I'm still enjoying it. The, figuring out the combat's been kind of tricky. I also have the same problem. It feels just random. They explain it, but it doesn't jive. Yeah, the best I've figured out is if you watch if you watch the character uh, on the screen. Um, the best I've got so far is if you choose to, to like do, because basically there's an offensive and a defensive move, right? Um, which all have weird names, which I can't seem to line up with anything. And Same. Yeah. It's all just sort of like just 
I don't know. And so you do. So I, I usually fall to a, do a defensive move first, and if they do an offensive move at the same time, you'll see their little icon character kind of look like he's tripping. Yep. And then you can attack with a full-on attack one and punch them. Uh, but if you do defensive and they do a de- defensive, and I think if you do it, I don't know. See, then I, then I don't really know what to do, and then sometimes I get hit, sometimes nothing happens. It's it weird. feels pretty arbitrary. I have seen some things like what you were saying with the tripping, yeah. and that opens up you to offense. But like, what leads to what being what is not clear. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's intentional, but it does kind of frustrating. And I'm also like, I'm trying to figure out how do you get, like, how do you get good at the game? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've, I understand the core mechanic, but it's just it's obtuse enough where you can't quite like. There's no quote unquote winning the game. You can't just Correct. become super badass at it and accomplish something. I kind of view it as a choose your own adventure book that you're playing, yeah. and the actions that you take don't necessarily lead to any logical conclusion. Okay. Just it does things and it happens, and the game makes it work. <laughs> and that's how I kind of play it. Maybe not fully to that extent, because you are managing elements of resources, and most things make sense in your decision making. Yeah. Except for the fighting. There's also there's a lot of randomness involved too. There's a lot. It's like, I'm running low on fun money, and I'm like, I need something to get money, and just it never gives you that thing. Absolutely, you know? and that gets frustrating because you're just like, well, I'm gonna lose. Like my my loss was predetermined, you know, five minutes ago, or sure, like a minute ago, realistically. I think if you, I enjoy it for a 20 minute stint and getting into it and just kind of being there along for the ride and picking a little bit of that adventure. Yeah, like I said, I'm still playing it. I'm gonna keep playing it. I'll let you know if I you sure. know, what happens. But another game which I. Totally still playing. Still playing Lineage 2. Totally still sighing about it. Yeah, so, I, this is, so we've talked about this at length, and I'm still I'm trying to figure out why I'm still playing this fucking game. I don't... I'm trying I, to... It's a habit. Yeah, but habits are like... You don't necessarily get... Enjoy, I'm like, I still get enjoyment out of the game, somehow. I mean, I a, lot, a lot of habits work that way, that they fulfill something, because your, your brain... <laughs> I mean, the way habits work is your brain craves uh, repeat activity. So it craves uh, a routine. I get it. Yeah. Okay, and, so And right. so you are fulfilling that routine. But, like, I finished... So you get these... There's an accessory slots in your character. Okay. And I finally completed my um, my uh, accessory slot. Like, you basically get all, all the same, like, type of accessory... Uh, then you get like a stacking bonus for each one. So I finally got all five. So now I get the maximum bonus for having those accessories. It's like a Diablo set bonus. Set bonus, exactly, yeah. And so I finally finished that and I was like, oh, cool. I felt really good about that, even though I shouldn't because it's just fucking made up. But I felt good about it. But it's also uh, an MMO sort of thing, right? Yeah, it's an MMO thing. I mean, yeah. every MMO has that. And the way I got it was just pure grinding. It was just grinding. That's it. And then that I sounds also, like an MMO as well. But I also got, I also got a, new, a new weapon which I'm actually saving for once and leveling it up because it's better for uh, boss fights. The one I use has bonuses against player versus player combat. So now I'm actually starting to build up a second set of <laughs> gear that I can use specifically when I'm running dungeons with the clan versus when I'm doing P- you know, PvP. Interesting, right? No. <laughs> it's called depth. I think if you were to not play Lineage for three to four weeks, you would never play it again. You think so? Because well, it would kicked out of it would no longer be <laughs> it would no longer be part <laughs> okay. of your habit. It's possible. If a game, if a game, I hesitate to say this, but if a game is only playable because some other people are playing it, it's not a good game. That's not entirely true, which is why I hesitate to say it. Because friends make a game, yep. 
even if they're not like close friends, just random people you kind of yeah. see occasionally. The reason we played Rise of Nations for so long. Yeah, we but that's also like a really good game by itself. True. It's enhanced by having friends. Okay. Absolutely. I and and a lot of people will still just play games because literally just because friends are playing. But there's alternative things to do with <laughs> friends besides play bad video games. <laughs> so I think that's not what people should jump into, and it leads to creating games that exist just to keep people trapped in those games so that they can keep playing with their friends. Like, this infinite loop of shit. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't like that as game designs, and it's frustrating because I really like the MMO genre. I just hate where it's gone in the past 20 years, or not 20, 20 years, years like past... past Ten years. Ten years, okay. Uh, yeah, it just feels like 20 years. <laughs> the past ten years has just become this monotonous grind of bullshit, and I don't like it. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, um, if Lineage 2 goes away than any of the other previous game, like those kind of games I've played, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm about to open it, and I just be like, eh, I want to. And I'll just do something different. I'll, we'll throw a celebration. I still podcast. Yeah, well, I'll go out for drinks and say, yay. <laughs> Uh, the, the last thing, um, so the last thing I'm doing is I want to, I still, you know, I've talked about playing an XCOM repeat. I'm just keeping an eye on the PlayStation store because there's, I'm waiting for all those expansions to go on sale at this point. And I was going to ask you, cause I saw a deal. I was going to ask you what you thought, cause we've done this with the past. What do you think? What is it really worth? Sure. And so XCOM has, there's two packages. There's the War of the Chosen, which is the most recent expansion. And then there's a, a whole set of like. Uh, like Shen's Gift. There's three mini DLC. Yeah, and some of them are just like, and then there's like one that's just costumes, and, and, and which I now totally Yeah, agree. so there's Shen's Gift, which gives you robot characters to yep. recruit. There's Anarchy's Children, yep. which is just costumes that are like Mad Max-style costumes. And then there is uh, Alien Rulers. I can't remember. Maybe that's what it's called. It's but it adds Alien Rulers to the game. And more vanity. And more, stuff, some yeah. more vanity stuff. But the big thing is the three rulers that have a new mechanic and how they operate, mm -hmm. they will go every time a character moves or shoots, I believe, as long as they're within vision of the ruler. I don't like the way they necessarily work in the base game. I have mods for them. I think okay. I made it so that it only works if they shoot or do something else aggressive. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's a little too aggressive, in my opinion, and okay. how it works. They are still a cool mechanic because it changes how you approach the game because normally you want to just kill everything on the screen at once. Right. But when they're on the screen and some other enemies are on the screen, now you have to decide, do I want to go after him? Because every action I do, he's going to Move again. do something. That's so cool. am I going after the other guys? So they don't get turns... When they're up for the real turn, or do I go after the alien ruler? So they kind of function like the avatars do. Uh, the avatars don't work that way either. Do they move, do they move like... I thought they moved a lot more often. They... You mean at the very end of the game? No, I, well, the first time I encountered one, I remember he just like kept moving. I was like, oh shit, I gotta take this guy down right now. You, they Those guys just kind of retreat, though. Whereas the rulers attack you. Oh, yeah, as soon as you hit them, they retreat. Yeah, the ruler attacks you. <laughs> oh, yikes. It's okay. brutal. And you get... You also get a few new weapons to combat that. Uh, there's like a freeze bomb. There's like a stun gun sort of a bolt caster. Okay. And so you'll use that on him so that when his turn is up, he's stunned for it. And so that's your kind of way of 
chaining him, and you and you don't have to fight them to the death. Is the other interesting thing. You do some amount of damage, and then they'll retreat. Oh, and okay. so you're actually just trying to get them to retreat, get them out of mission, and next time you'll do a little bit more, and then eventually you'll kill them, and then they're out of the game. That's cool. And there's three rulers. Okay. So they're they're interesting. All right. Well, so I saw the I saw, I saw the whole package for the extra DLC for like twenty nine dollars, thirty bucks, I think. So I was going to ask for those three, or yeah. for that with War of the Chosen. No, just for those three. War of well, the Chosen being we didn't say, but War of the Chosen is the big expansion. Yeah, and that's forty dollars currently on Steam. Okay. I think. I think it's thirty nine. I think yeah, it's, it's either thirty five or forty for the full which, price, which is a lot of money for an expansion. It's like almost a full game. It's a full expansion. I mean, it's yeah, it's worth it. I mean, it's a fair price, I should say. Like it's okay. you know when back in the day with Baldur's Gate two and throwing a ball came out and it was probably a thirty forty dollar expansion. Yeah, and we're like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. This is the same thing. Like most DLC is a few extra. Future hours of content, not a huge deal. This is a full expansion. Okay. One of the few games it's a real expansion for. That's cool. All right. So I think it's a little bit more fair. Well, I will, but so my question to you then was, is it worth paying 30 bucks for those? For those the three mini DLC without War of the Chosen? Absolutely right. not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I would say altogether they're probably worth 10 Maybe fifteen dollars. Ten, fifteen bucks. I would say Anarchy's Children, the the cosmetic one, is like a dollar or two because yeah. most of them don't really fit the XCOM two world. They're nice for a little bit of variety, especially without mods, but it's not not that big of a deal. Uh, the Alien Rulers is cool; it's probably five dollars, and the Shin's Gift, the robots, is probably five dollars. Really? Okay. So I would say yeah, ten to fifteen is your the value of those three. Okay. Well, in that case, I'll wait for it to go on sale. Sweet. And I would say War of the Chosen, if you see it for $30 even, it's probably worth it. Depending on how much you want to wait. But... Oh, yeah. oh, and last last bit of news I have. Uh, I was talking about playing craps last couple episodes. You did, yep. I fly to... Uh, I drive to Houston. Technically, I'm driving to Houston tonight. So I can do deliveries tomorrow, then driving back to Austin tomorrow. Picking up Aaron and the dogs, driving back to Houston tonight. <laughs> drop up with my parents, and then Aaron and I jump on a plane... Uh, Friday, Thursday morning, flying to LAX for like a layover, and then we're flying to Reno uh, on Thursday. So Thursday night, I'm going to put all my craps betting strategies to the test. Okay. So my craps video game I've been playing, let's see how well it trained Making me. some money. My craps trainer, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Bank. Yeah, we'll see. And we'll then buy I'm... new microphones while the money you've made. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should. So that podcast I did last night, they totally had the whole setup and everything. It's really nice. We'll get there. Sorry, I was on a podcast last night for a local band that they have a weekly or monthly podcast or something. And Aaron and I went on to talk about Fourth Tap and the band that I used to be in back in the day. Yep. Yeah. They're trying to get us to do a reunion show. <laughs> they're do they've got some album coming out, uh, and they're doing a show at Stubbs Inside, and he's like, Seriously, dude, will will you put the band back together and play with us? And I was like, I'll talk to the guys, I guess. Where is Jimmy now? Seattle. Well, the bass player for it's Fair City Fire, so the bass player for Fair City Fire said he would play bass for us oh, okay. to get us to play. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's jump to a break. We're going to come back and talk about uh, fighting games and specifically For Honor, and probably I'm assuming we're going to dive into some training training rituals or you know regimes that regimens. Yeah. Regi- I can speak English. Look at me. Brother, brother, brother. Yeah. That uh, that you've been going through as well. So take a break. We'll be back in just a few. I'm good.
Okay, so we are back to, uh, I'm excited you're kind of getting into the fighting game mentality. Yeah. Of like wanting to get better. Well, that's, so yeah, so that's, that's a large part of it was, um, listening to you and seeing you, how you've been working out strategies in, in, in uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, fighters or Fighter Z? Fighters. Fighters. Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, Tekken, and then getting me into playing Tekken, and, and uh, at least for that one tournament. At least for the one tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Fair to say, I haven't, I haven't played it since. Uh, actually, maybe I'll play the next tournament and just be like, the only time I ever play Tekken is when I'm <laughs> just with tournaments. Team. That's how hardcore I am. I'm, I'm, I'm really just, I'm banking more on people trying out Soul Calibur. I think that's a better game for most people anyway. I'm looking forward to Soul Calibur. I am too. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, so I've been playing a lot of For Honor lately again, so I kind of Played it for a whole lot for a little bit. Fell off just because I got busy with the games. I've come back to it. Um, and the two guys I play with uh, at work have both gotten like really good. And um, so I realized that <laughs> in order to like play at the next level, I have to train in the game. And the game comes with the training mode. And that should have been a cue to me pretty early on that if a game puts a training mode in there that has like a full full set of features on how you can customize how the training experience works... Uh, that means you should probably use it. <laughs> right. It's not there for just looking at. Right. Yeah. It's not like a pick a character, another character fight. It's You can go in and pick any character you want to fight, any character you want to go up against, and then you can pick um, level of difficulty, whether they're stationary, attacking, or you can do full custom kind of... So basically you can customize the experience to whatever it is you're trying to do. And so right now I'm trying to learn how to parry. Can you record moves for them? Uh. I don't know if you can record moves for them, okay. but, it, but it'll also read out like all the damage for every attack you're doing, okay. all the stamina cost for every attack you're doing. It'll list out the attacks that you executed if you're just button mashing. It'll even show you the timing on certain attacks from your enemy because this relates to what I'm trying to learn is how to parry. So parrying in the game is really tricky and really important. So to give you an idea, as a reminder, For Honor works on a uh, three-stance system kind of, so you can either... Uh, attack left, attack right, or attack top. And then you, your opponent can either block left, block right, or block top. And you kind of get an indicator of which way they're coming. Uh, so there's a lot of like combos that are involved. Uh, so if you're attacking, you've got your, your, each character has their own set of moves and combos and strengths and weaknesses. And so if you're going up against somebody, you need to be able to essentially defend against those things. So you need to have some knowledge of what that character can do, what attacks are probably going to come at you with, and then also twitch, respond to their attacks. And you can do a lot more than just block, block, block. Um, one option you have is a parry, which is awesome, where they, they come at you like right attack, and so you jump to right block stance, but at, if you time it just right, uh, you can actually parry their attack back, and then you get a free like one or two hits on them. So it's a punish, right? Um, the trick is like the only way to see it is there's this little red arrow that pops and says, hey, they're attacking right, and then the arrow flashes real quick, and then that's your moment. And it's different for every character. Some characters, it's, it's you got a big window. Some characters, you have a really tiny window. Uh, some characters can fuck you up in a way where you don't get to see which way they're coming from, so then you lose that ability. Uh, so it, just, it kind of keeps getting more and more complex. So is it yeah. purely a reaction time thing? The parry is a... The parry? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, even the blocking is a reaction time. Blocking is reaction time. A parry is like a more difficult reaction time. Uh, but here's the fun part. Sort of. Some characters can do feints. So feint is like, it, it does this, and what happens is, 
uh, if you fuck up a parody, you're going to take the hit, right? Right. And so what will happen is they'll do a feint. So you'll see the image pop so they'll, up. They'll go towards you. You yeah. did a motion of they're coming towards you. You know, at that point, attack. yeah, you've trained your mind. To, so, okay, I know the attack that's coming at me. I have a feel for the timing. So you go for the parry. And your character does a parry, but the problem is they fainted, they come back, and then they attack again. And they can control that. So they can say attack and then, then cancel out of an attack to faint it and then attack again. Uh, which is super frustrating because then you definitely get hits. Because if you fail a parry, you get opened up. So that's more of a read. Yes, and you're predicting what they're going to do. Yeah, so you got to read. So you don't have to read the character, but you also have to read the player because it's like, are they the type of player who's going to do this? And you don't have a lot of time to figure this stuff out. So over the course of a Dominion match, which you're just trying to capture zones, um, you kind of start to learn who you're playing against and what they're doing. Uh, yeah, so I'm discovering that there are a significant. Uh, there's a significantly larger number of options to even the one character I'm playing. And there's a shit ton of characters. And they're all very different from each other. That's the other thing I'm learning. They all have very different play styles, very different strategies, very different movesets. Yep, they're uh, fighting games. So yeah. Having different characters with different moves so and, that the and, game stays fresh. Yeah, and being dramatically different from each other. And, and that's very much the case in this game so far. So I'm like just learning... It's like kind of I kind of just like as I start rehearsing parries and like watching YouTube videos and trying to get a trying to just practice that skill, it kind of opened a door for just how much deeper this game really is. And it's fucking cool. Like That's I, great. Yeah. I, there's a lot of depth that people miss out on not playing fighting games, honestly. I I mean another big reason why I've gotten into them mm-hmm. is precisely because they are so deep. I think RTS games are also really deep, but they're a little too they're too long and they're too Predicated on one mistake making you lose the game. Uh, over and fighting games, one mistake can make you lose a round or something. Yeah. Or and, you know, for honor, depending on the mode, you might get hurt or you might get a backlash, but you're not going to lose the game because of just one mistake, right? Right. It's a yeah. series of stuff. So yeah, they actually have the one-on-one mode uh, where I, which I started playing now because the Dominion is a, is a game that kind of everybody plays. It's a four-on-four. That's right. That's what it's called. Yeah, with your team. Um, it's like I, capture the or king of the hill type. Yeah, it's a, you just capture zones and you keep the zones as long as you can. And if you've hit a thousand, as soon as you have held them long enough, the other team starts breaking. And as soon as you kill them, they they don't respawn. So that's kind of how the game ends. Um, so once you've once you've once you've captured all the zones for long enough, yeah, then the game switches from focusing on just trying to capture zones to just murdering the other team, right? Uh, so I realized that a lot of times I was getting these one on one fights and losing when I felt like I should be winning. And how, so what I did is start playing the one-on-one matches as well with people online so I can just get better at those, like, when I, when I, when me and somebody else encounter each other on this battlefield, I'm better prepared to, like, take them on one-on-one. Because I'm good in two-on-one because it's easy. I got somebody else. So they're, you know, the character I play is kind of a, a, um, a guard support healer. And so I'll get myself in situations where I could, if it's two-on-one, it's easy for me because I just play that role. But if I'm one-on-one, I get into trouble because I don't really, you know, so start doing these matches, and yeah, it's fun because you know you'll start playing with somebody, you use a strategy that works the first couple times, and they quickly adapt to it. Or you're fighting somebody like I remember I went up against one guy three times, and he beat the shit out of me the first two times because it took me a little while to really figure out like okay, he keeps doing these like subset of moves. And once I learned his moves, then it took me a while to figure out how do I counter these things. <laughs> it took me a while, but I just it was cool because you know, there's no speech, there's no talking. But he would just rerun. He's like, hey, let's play again. I was like, yeah, let's play again. And I think he got that I was trying to figure out his, his stuff. And then we finally stopped once I got him almost to the, when I almost beat him. You know? And it's best of five. So it's, you know, you do five, just like a fighting game. But you did multiple best of fives. Yeah, I did like three best of fives until I 
until I felt like I had to. It's very similar to other fighting games that are one on one. You you see a player's style and you start reacting to it, and you realize, okay, I need to counter that in some way. And as you get better with your character, you learn what your counters are mm-hmm. to different types of approaches, and then you obviously learn what the other character is capable of. Oftentimes, like if you play the game enough. You'll go into a match thinking, okay, these are the big threats from this character because I've played the game enough. This is their strengths. Yeah. But most, well, not most, but a lot of fighting games, Tekken especially because there's so many moves, you can create your own style of play that you then have to adapt to in the middle of a game. Um, For instance, so Tekken, you have your mids and your your lows and your highs, uh, but the mids and lows are the two you're mostly worried about. And so a character may not have good lows, and you're thinking, I'm not really going to have to worry about that much, but they work them in somehow, and then yeah. you, you adapt, right? And you figure that out. And so for, for Honor, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of similarities in that yeah, yeah. you can... I, I don't know how much room you have to make your own style. I was about to say, there's a lot, actually. Okay. That's another thing I'm learning. Um, so there's two other things you can do with a character to further dial it to your specific, like, sub... Like, basically, every character's got kind of a general style, and then you can dial each one of those characters in a certain way, depending on how you want to play it. And that's done through two ways. It's done through feats and through equipment. So all the equipment is uh, pretty... There's you know Every every piece of equipment has like three different um, stats it'll affect. And so... You, and, and it's not just like a little bit here, a little bit there. It's like... It's it's dramatic. And everything's pros and cons. Like, yeah, it's this, this weapon is going to do more damage to somebody if they're blocking... But it's going to have less attack, you know. Or this shield is going to make you move faster, but it will take more damage. As a, you know, so you so you can dial in your overall play style across your equipment by saying, "Here's how I want to adjust all my my stats." So you know, I get to do certain things. You know, if I know if I'm more of a uh, blocker, I'll design everything so I'm a little slower, but a little strong. You know, or if I know I like prefer to try to parry somebody and then and then punish, then you can adjust your character for that kind of. It's thing. like talent points and World of Warcraft or something. Yeah, Otherwise, it's specializing your character. Yeah, and there's and there's there's a bunch of stats. So there's a lot there, so you can really you know tweak that, and it makes a difference. And then there's also the feats on top of that, which are um, basically each character as you level them up. There's there's four different sections, and each each section has three different feats. So you get to choose. From one of three, one of three, one of three, one of three. And all of those, again, also really dial your character one way or another. So the way I play my character, for instance, my the Conqueror who I use, when I'm running him as kind of a support healer, um, I've, got th- I've got him completely dialed up to revive people super, super fast at the cost of combat. But that's a huge, impor- that's a really important thing. If somebody goes down and you get him back up in the fight, that's a massive, uh, a massive advantage. It's 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 I seems like it. Yeah, it's huge. Getting people re- recovered, and so uh, I remember the first time I, I had them fully dialed into that play style and started using it. My friends were just like, "How the hell are you reviving people so quick?" And I was like, "Dude, <laughs> I have every stat that I can have aim, aimed for that." And so I mean, it's like it's like half like two seconds maybe to get somebody up. And it, I could, so basically, what happens is uh, I had that character dialed into a certain play style where I'm in the middle of a fight. It's it's happening. Like two guys are fighting two other guys. One of our guys goes down. I just sneak around, and as a guy's coming at me, I can revive him th- that fast. Normally, it's impossible to revive, revive somebody in the middle of a fight because it takes just long enough for the other player to see someone's doing that, and they just hit you once, and it cancels it. Um, so it can, you can really be punished if you're trying to revive someone in a fight. Um, but I had this guy dialed in so I could do it so fast that it's like they would kill someone and it's like, back up. 
<laughs> they'd have to really react. Yeah, yeah. So that's and, and that's what's, close by, and that's fun. So they then they learn. Oh, we have to watch that guy because he's going to try to. He's able to revive them super quick. You know. Uh, it's, yeah. So it's just been. I've just like been kind of on a whole new high for For Honor right now. <laughs> uh, and the big the big reason is um, there's a big expansion coming out. Um, so they've just started season six uh, of the game, which the game the way the kind of war the meta game is broken down is into seasons. Uh, so season six is now underway. And there's this new expansion coming out, I think, in a month or two, that's going to have uh, a couple new characters, a couple new maps. Um, they've started; they finally started launching their uh, ranked play system. So so far, everything's been unranked, and now they're actually doing ranked play. And so me and these other two guys were talking about putting together like a team to actually compete. Yeah, see how you do. Those yeah. are fun. We yeah, did, I did that with League of Legends with a group of friends, and yeah, I we had a great time for you know the year, year and a half that we did that. Yeah. And it's interesting because this game came out two years ago, I think. It sounds about right. Yeah. Two to three years ago. Yeah, but it's like picking up, I guess it's just one of those where it's just been a slow build of people discovering, hey, they want... Ubisoft is one of these weird companies that just likes to release bad games and then make them really good after the fact. (laughs) Fix them later. I don't don't know why, because it seems like a bad idea. (laughs) That's what I understand about For Honor when it first came out. Apparently it was a pretty rough game. Yeah, it was really terrible. From I mean, I, just from reading, but I didn't play it until recently. Yeah, but now it is a great game. It is super, super fun. I still have it. I, I haven't put that much time into it. I think. Uh, is there cross platform? There's not. I would uh, play it more. I think if there was cross platform, because then we could play. I was gonna say, do you have a PlayStation Four? No. Uh, you should get a PS Four, then you could play with us. I have too many games on PC to warrant <laughs> buying another system. <laughs> it just isn't quite worth it. If yeah. I if I run out of games somehow, I'll buy a PS4. <laughs> Seems <laughs> unlikely. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with these I, these fighting games right now. So the one of the things I don't like about For Honor mm-hmm. versus a traditional fighting game is you can't really just go to a friend's place, plop down, and play with them. No, you cannot. So, and I think part of the fun of a fighting game is being able to have those local environments where, like, hey, let's come over and play. Tekken or whatever, right? And you have, I don't know, many tournaments where you just play a bunch of games together or whatever the case is. And it's a cool vibe that you don't get with a lot of games because everything requires online play and everything is designed around you being on your system, you doing your own thing. And, you know, outside of, I don't know, I guess you could do Halo playing against other people. Yeah. But it's sort of a different vibe than fighting games. I mean, you're kind of getting into what I think a big part of fighting games appeal long-term is, like what you need to feel to enjoy fighting games, which yeah. is the desire to get better. Yeah. If you don't have the desire to get better at games, fighting games are bad for you. Yeah. yeah. Like, unequivocally, it's a terrible genre for you if you care about improving skill. Unless you're, unless you're sitting down with a bunch of friends who are also just there to have a good time. And you just I are- think there's better genres for that. Okay. Uh, I I'm not saying like it's bad, right? I mean, you can enjoy doing whatever, but that other genres are better geared towards just fucking around with friends okay. than fighting games. <laughs> we should do a segment on best games to f- fuck around on with your friends, <laughs> right? Yeah, we could do a segment on that and worst and worst games to do that. With. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, because you cannot play For Honor. You can play For Honor with your friends, which is how we do it. But it's you know you're isolated in your house. And, and like, unless you wanted to bring all of your TVs over, yeah, unless you wanted to land it, land it, which you could, which we could do, could, uh, but it's just not as easy as, hey, I'm going to bring my controller over and we can play yeah. Tekken or whatever together. And 
I mean, the other aspect of that is, especially since a lot of controllers are multi-platform, mm-hmm. fighting games let you, like, I could just, if you had Tekken, I could come to your place with my controller and we could play, yep. right? Whereas for us to play For Honor together, you either need to have it on PC, so you need to fix your PC and buy it or whatever, <laughs> or I need to get a PlayStation and buy it for that, right? right? There's a much bigger barrier of entry uh, than there is these other games. Yeah, especially for you, because you don't even have a PS4. Yeah, so. right, so I'd have to spend hundreds of dollars to play For Honor with you. Right. And especially because Sony apparently is very anti-cross-platform <laughs> from all the news that comes out. I could have sworn, what was I thinking? Oh, it was War Thunder, that was a cross-platform game. It is. There's, very, there's a few cross-platform games, just not a lot of them out there. Yeah, Yeah. so when I'm playing Tekken, I'm, I'm playing in... I'm kind of in two modes. One, I'm playing ranked, and I just want to see how good I am. And I get rushes from ranking up and doing well. And then there's where I'm spending most of my time, which is quick match and a little bit of training time, too, right. like what you're doing with For Honor, For Honor. And it's just, I don't care if I win or lose. For the most part, I just want to practice things. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'll play people I'm destroying or play people that are destroying me as long as I'm getting stuff out of it. Yeah. But when it's like, I know exactly what you're doing. This is boring. I... I quit, right? So I'll often... Because quick match gives you just random matches, right. right? So I'll occasionally play people who are brand new to the game, and it's just silly. <laughs> right? That's not like, fair. Yeah, I could, I could fuck around. Way to ruin their entrance to the game. Yeah. Like, oh, this well, game sucks. Yeah, they got to learn. It's too hard. So, so, sooner or later. The only time I do get pumped up when I'm playing quick matches is when I'm playing somebody who's really high ranked, because there's not a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody who's like top five, top one percent of the game just doesn't pop up often. Right. And so then I like try to take it seriously. They crush me, but I can notice improvements or things I'm doing, and and I get a lot of learning out of yeah. those things. And and that learning is really fun for me. Yeah. Like learning those underlying mechanics. So if you can get into that. It's, you know, I think you're doing with For Honor. Like, it just amplifies the beauty of those games. Yeah, you enjoy it so much more. You enjoy it so much more. And it's in a way that just doesn't exist in most other genres, except for RTS games. Yeah, because it's real. It's a, if you feel like it's a, it's a, a competition of skill. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that reminds me, there's, I learned a long time ago, there's this, like, uh, the way I subdivide the growth phase of learning a fighting game. There's the first phase, which is where you're just button mashing, Right. And then you move into the second phase, which is, oh, I know moves, but the button mashes are still beating me. Because now you're, you stop button yes. mashing, you're just like trying, you're trying to do moves, and it's super frustrating. Uh, and then out of, if you can get to that phase, then you get to the phase where you actually are good enough to execute moves, and so you can finally start beating those button, fucking button mashers again. And once you beat the button mashers, is when it starts really feeling good. Yeah, now, you're, now you've hit that third phase of, and then there's a fourth phase of now you're actually like going, now you have to fight against other people who are also in the third phase. Yeah, I think once you're able to compete with people who also know the moves, now you're in this new phase of the game, and that's like the most fun place. To and be then in. you just keep going up and up from there because yeah. there's just so much, especially for something like Tekken. I mean, that's I really dove into Tekken because I played that in Dragon Ball and Street Fighter, and Tekken just has so much better depth than those other games. Yeah, uh, Dragon Ball's depth is all reliant on assists, which just isn't as fun of a gameplay mechanic. And Street Fighter is okay. So you like backing down off Dragon Ball? Like you were super piped. I play it occasionally, but uh, it's I play it for an hour every gotcha. two weeks, maybe gotcha. thirty minutes. I, I I'll do like a match just because it's Dragon Ball and and it's really well animated and it's fun. But yeah. I'm playing it I'm playing it infrequently enough that I'm forgetting combos with characters. What about Tekken? You still playing that all the time? I play Tekken probably about five days a week for a total of like 
three hours a week, something okay. like that. It's not huge sessions. Not huge, but I've found just playing for a little bit each day is better than like really going hardcore. So I remember you mentioned that the last podcast, uh, focusing on like one thing for a little bit at a time as opposed to just spending way too much time. So that's what I'm doing for Honor. So the last few times I played, I was just focusing on parrying. So I do training mode. All I would try to do is just try to, I'd try to get like three, three sets of three parries in a row. So they would attack me three different times, and I'd parry each one in a row. And that's, I would just do that until I got that. And then it's like, cool, now I'm going to do something else. It's interesting. The uh, the parry aspect for that is very reaction-based, right, like yeah. you were saying? It's very, yeah, it's twitchy. It's like reading the enemy really well and, and knowing yeah. so, also. So what are the what does the read come in? So you, we went over reads with, like, feints, and you have to read what the opponent's going to do. Mm-hmm. But with parrying, how is it not just, I see a dot on the screen, let me press that button. I can react quickly. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's timing is the first thing. So the timing is critical. Okay, so and, getting the timing down. And some characters who are super fast, uh, the timing is extremely difficult. And so it's almost not worth it. Because it's a, there's a risk-reward analysis that comes into play. Because if you just you can just block it, and then you just block the attack. Great. If you choose to parry it, um, you can either open them up to do some real damage. Or if you miss, they're going to punish you. So it's a, there's a risk there. And so if you have a good feeling about, you know, you know, the people that I wouldn't immediately parry are the ones who I know can pull feints and the ones who I know are super fast. So that knocks out, for me, who's not, I'm not very skilled, that knocks out a lot of, a lot of characters that I would not even try it against. Um, and at the rest, it's, it's, so the read, the read comes from uh, seeing, you know, seeing the arrow that says they're attacking in this direction and then also knowing the attack they're doing and what the timing is on it. Uh, because they are all a little different, you know. So I'm... Thinking how it compares to a read for a parry in Tekken. Even you watch the attack of the character, right? Well, so you, so there's a couple things that happen in Tekken. So you, in Tekken, you only parry low attacks. Uh, so you like throw them to the ground, and you can do a little bit of a combo. Oh, there's, there's one more thing. Sorry. Okay. A lot of the characters also speak while they're attacking, and sometimes you can get a sense of what they're about to do just by hearing. Oh, uh, okay. Like if audio I hear, cues. if my character says, yeah, there's audio cues. If I like say certain words like the uh, centurion will like say if i hear him saying this like he starts this one word and then it starts the next word i'm fucking dodging like i'm not even going to try to block i'm just moving because i know he's doing an unblockable attack and that's going to cause damage there there are audio cues in tech and i don't pay too much attention to them just because i'm better with seeing things yeah but yeah there are audio cues for a lot of attacks so sorry yeah so that's 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 the full picture of of the of the read yeah so you were saying about so so the parry there's two components one uh you see somebody move and you might get used to the low attacks they do in like the first couple frames like you don't think about it but you start to internalize it uh might lead to a low attack versus a mid attack but they're very hard to read so usually or very hard to like react to that almost impossible. You're sort of making a guess if you were doing it that way. What you end up really doing is getting a read for, this is their timing of when they throw in a low attack into their repertoire, Mm -hmm. or this is like the part of their string that they'll do a low attack. And at that point, you have to press uh, down down towards them at the right time to parry them. Uh, So it becomes more, it's more about read than it is reaction. I would say there's very little reaction when Mm -hmm. it comes to parries. In Tekken, it's I. You usually do this at this point in time, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try to parry you, and hopefully it works out. You can also sort of buffer uh, parries. You can just press down forward, and yeah. it's a duck 
worst case. So if they do a high, it'll go over you, or if they do a low, then you'll parry them. Uh, that's also kind of a component so you can, of... You can do like a safe parry. You can sort of do a safe parry. The so, risk factor there, which there's another risk factor in For Honor, is if they do a mid that can launch you up, then they get a bigger combo than you would have gotten out of the parry. Yeah. So you don't want to... You don't want to guess wrong, and you don't want to do it at a time where they might throw that out. Yeah, there's got to be a punish. There's got to be a... Right. Yeah. It's all like sort of this paper, rock, scissors, rockets, dynamite. Yeah. Right. right. Like... A, Risk, Much bigger expansion. Risk-reward, right? Right, there's a risk-reward. And, and in terms of that, so in, in For Honor, there is some of that as well. So okay. there, there are combo moves, and characters can... You, if you know their moves, you know how far they can take something. And so if you know, like with the Centurion, I, or with the um, Conqueror, who I know the best, that's the one I play, if I go up another Conqueror, there's certain things he starts doing that I know what that is. So I at least have a sense of, like, I already get a sense of the timing. So the Twitch part is going to be which way is going to come from. And it's possible that if I play long enough in the match, I get a feel for how he prefers to attack. So in theory, I could do that. So really good players are constantly shifting up their direction every time. So it's yeah, just like a good fighting game character. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so there's some pattern recognition for the player, okay. and then there's if you know the combos, you at least have a sense of the timing. So, so you might have situations where like this one guy, he just usually throws in his parryable attack on the second attack. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's say he's got like a you know there's a uh, light, light so there's light and heavy attacks, right? So I just know this character does light, heavy, heavy, or light, light, heavy. Uh, and I know the heavy attack's a little slower, so I'd be, I probably would block, block, and then parry, because I know I'm going to have an easier time parrying something. Now, it's easy for me to say that. It's really difficult for me to, like, execute that in the heat of battle, because, like, shit's crazy. Right. right. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. Having a game plan, you're not necessarily going to be able to execute right. it, because, yeah, it's all... So fast. That's the fun part. When you it's, do, oh, it feels good. It does. Feel oh, that feels really, so really good. good. You're just like, yes, yeah, suck it. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, when yeah. you do some cool move in Tekken, and I parry this guy, and I win the match because of it, yeah. it's, like, it's a yeah. good high. <laughs> oh, it feels real good. And then and then in uh, For Honor, they throw in these things called executions, which are a lot like fatalities in, in uh, Mortal Kombat, and just brutal, brutal with takedowns. So you take somebody <laughs> down like that, and just then you hit square at the right time. And also, if you get the... The great thing about the executions, I know we're running long on this segment here. Fine. Uh, the great thing about executions in For Honor is that, um, A, it feels fucking awesome and looks cool. You just murder the shit out of some <laughs> dude. Uh, second, uh, you get life back, which is valuable, very valuable. Sure. And third, in Dominion, this is the most valuable thing, I think, um, they go from, so when you kill somebody, they have a 10-second respawn retiner, timer, but they can be, or 12-second respawn timer, timer, I forget which one, but they can also be uh, revived. You execute somebody, they cannot be revived, and now they have a 15-second timer. So you just bought yourself three extra seconds, which can make a big difference in, in Dominion. And so if you go up against their guys and you manage to like execute their team, you just bought your, you bought your entire team 15 seconds free on the map. That's pretty huge. Yeah, it's, that's enough time to do, do a lot. And sure. so you know, there's, there's that, that next follow-up thing. It's like when you're taking somebody out, you want to end on a heavy attack so you can get the execution so you can knock them out of the match for 15 seconds. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I'd be curious when Soul Calibur comes out, how For Honor transfers skill-wise to that game. Because mm-hmm. most, like all the traditional fighters, there's definitely a carryover. Like me playing Tekken, I'm getting better at Dragon Ball even though I'm not playing Dragon Ball. Right. And that will help me transition to Soul Calibur. Right. Uh, to the point where if if no somebody if we had a friend who's never played a fighting game and played Soul Calibur for fifteen hours and I played it for thirty minutes, I think I would beat them regularly. 
Okay. Because so much is going to transfer from the other games. And at some point, you know, if they played 100 hours and I played 30 minutes, okay, now they know this game better and yeah. they've just gotten better at fighting games. Sure. So I'm curious how, like, For Honor skills will transfer versus Tekken skills. Yeah. Because you're learning a lot of the same things. Yeah, it's all, it's just, it's just your thought process. How do you approach a fighting game? Right. Are you just trying to button mash and do cool shit? Or are you trying to read your opponent and react appropriately? Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. where a lot of the, the skill, like, the deeper level skill comes in is, Okay, now I have to approach it this way. Like a lot of in- instincts in these games, is just attack like crazy, right? Yeah. But you need to defend and punish and learn these like mm-hmm. ins and outs. So getting that mentality is just a big part of it. Yeah, cool. We should probably go to break. Probably uh, this is a longer segment than we think either of us thought it'd be. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it was but fun. I think we have a lot of passion for these for these games in this genre. So yeah. All right, on to the next one after the break. Cool. Say when you're on a two on one or four on it, you win, right? So the one on ones. Well, not necessarily. Okay, not, so, right, not always. Well, so Mike was telling me a story. Uh, he was playing the other day, and he said he had their entire team so scared that when he, they saw him, they would run away. <laughs> and the only time they would, because apparently earlier in the game, three of them attacked him, and he killed all three of them. Oh, I've, I've been in, I've been on the receiving end of that shit when like three or four of you up against one guy, and they're that good, and they actually just wreck all of you. That's impressive. That is demoralizing. That is definitely demoralizing. Yeah, so he, he did that early in the game, and literally they would run away if they saw him. They just, they're like, nope. And I do, I do that shit too. If I know somebody on that team is like, I can't kill that guy, I run. So like, I'm better alive to my team than I am holding that guy up for five seconds. Yeah, you may as well just go capture another point. Right. And so uh, they would only attack him in, in threes, I think, or fours. Is, okay, all right, we can't stop yeah. talking about fighting games. <laughs> Y'all need to play some, some fighting games if, yeah. uh, if you haven't. Get in on that. All right, so what we thought about mm-hmm. doing... Uh, part three, part three. Part, part three, brought on by uh, Far Cry, is uh, kind of just going into the open world genre a little bit more. So we pulled up uh, PC Gamers' top open world games from March 2018, and we're kind of going to spitball these and see... Hot Partially takes. hot takes on them, uh, where I draw the line on open world games, because I don't typically like most of the genre. I don't. I, I like melee more than shooters, but I think we can get a little bit more into it. And, and you do like the open world genre. I love the open world okay, genre. You love the, yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of these games on here, you're a huge fan of. Yeah, and for very some very specific reasons. So, now, that's not to play. I, I have played some pretty shitty open world games. Yeah, I mean, there's shitty games in every genre. Right. Right. So, but the, overall, you really love the genre, and I dislike the genre yeah. in, in general. I so my, some of my favorite games of all time, games that I think are some of the best games ever made, are coming from the genre. Okay. For me. So I think that'll be fun for us to kind of go yeah, back yeah, and yeah. forth between two, especially the ones where we have shared uh, gameplay time on. So the first one on the list is. Assassin's Creed Origins, yep. the most recent of the Assassin's Creed. Yes, they consider it to be one of the best. Uh, yeah, they have. This is their best list. Everything on this list is they're considered the best. Okay, so you've already heard me go on about this in the previous podcast. Yeah, we talked about this sometime. Uh, I won't yeah. go into too much detail, but the shortest version I can give you is that uh, they're they. Here's I'll give you an example. They made a game mode that doesn't involve combat. It's called historical tour mode, and you <laughs> okay. just take your, they just take you on a tour of ancient Egypt. Uh, that's what kind of this game is. It made did such a good job of building this world and making it feel immersive. Is that people requested that game mode, just like, hey, take me on a tour of Egypt and tell me about the pyramids and historical facts. 
that's that's how that's how wonderful that world was. That's been. I really do value immersion a lot in games. I mean, I think the only we'll get into it later, but the only open world game I really loved was probably The Witcher Three because I felt so immersed into it. Okay, and that's on the list, so we'll talk about we'll it. It's a Witcher Three. Yeah. Uh, so Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, I'm interested in because of I mean you you really liked it. And because it seems like they put more attention into this world than they have a lot of other previous worlds, into building ancient Egypt yeah. that maybe hasn't been around since possibly Assassin's Creed II with them building up Florence and yeah. Ezio. Yeah. I think that's appealing because immersion is great. I, I'm hesitant on Assassin's Creed as a series, though, because the combat is very lacking. We've, we've gotten into this. Before. We've gotten into it. Yeah. I think it's very repetitive. And I don't see Assassin's Creed Origins being that much better, so I'm worried about just instantly getting turned off. I mean, in Origins, they did, and I think I think we had mentioned this. We did. They sacrificed a bit of the cinematic quality of the combat to add a bit more depth to the combat. That's appealing to me. Yeah, but it's not. It's I knowing you, it's not going to be as much depth as you want. Yeah, I, th- I think. I, I, I think you're wrong. right. So the question is whether the immersion is enough to over to compensate for sure. that. And they did a great job. It's a beautiful game. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Subnautica. Have you played this? Oh, I played this for... This is a survival game. It's a survival... Yeah. This is an open Underworld. World it's on their list. I guess it's technically an open world. You can kind of go anywhere at the start. This I mean, is a lot of survival games are sort of open world. So this is very much on my backlog. Uh, I Chris Hamjay, uh, my, one of my uh, business partners, he was like raving about this game. Uh, have you played it? I have played it. What do you, you have a different opinion. I dislike it. All right. He was... So here's, here's my side of it. He was raving about it. And he's like, dude, it's amazing. You have to play it. So I, I was at his house, and he made me sit down and play for like about 30 minutes. And I really enjoyed those 30 minutes. Enough so, it's on my backlog. I'm going to play it when I have a chance. A working computer. How about that? Yeah. So we yeah. brought up, I brought up Dying Light earlier, survival games. And Subnautica is a survival game. And it has the same component of gameplay that I find even more boring than Assassin's <laughs> Creed okay. and Arkham. And like the cinematic styles. Mm-hmm. It's just get things... To get more things, to get more things, and it's rote repetition of now instead of collecting the red apples, I'm collecting watermelons. Okay. Like none of it seems very different to me. I don't get a lot of satisfaction out of just exploring this world that they've created without systems that are interesting to make that world come to life. Okay. And I don't think those systems make it come to life. It's very grindy feeling, just like gathering loot in Diablo, just like leveling up in most MMOs. Yeah. It requires absolutely no brain power. It's trivial, and I don't find that fun. Dang. Well, what about... Isn't there a story, though, that's supposed to be pretty cool? I that's, just can't get... Maybe. Uh, the story seemed kind of interesting, I mean, that's, but... I know Chris is a story... He, he's a fan of story. So Chris is all about... But, like, open story. world is not the best way of delivering a story. Just, it isn't. Because everything sidetracks you. Like, I don't see how you could argue that a linear mission, or mission-based, it doesn't have to be mission-based, but a linear go-from-here-to-here experiencing the story fully every time, where it's completely crafted around that, mm-hmm. how that could ever be a worse medium than open world, because open world, you're inherently getting distracted by things. There's just so much other stuff going on. I think, yeah, I don't want to, so I don't think I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not optimal. I don't. I th- maybe I don't think it's fair to just put all like all open world stories on one side and all straight you know railroad stories on the other because there are definitely some really poorly done uh, railroaded stories and there's some definitely very poorly done open world stories. But there's some some 
the best thing about an open world game is when they use the open world mechanics as part of the story. Like they dr- they help drive the story through that. And I don't know that they do that very often. I think they help with the immersion, but I don't feel like they drive the story. Do you have an example of an open yeah. world game? And we'll get into it if it's on this list. Yeah, well, like uh, I mean, the Grand Theft Auto series typically does a good job, I think, of utilizing the open world. So like, you don't feel like if you go up. Here's what will happen. It's like you're playing the story and something really important is about to happen and you go do something else for a while and like days pass and days pass and then you come back and they're just like, okay, now we're going to do the thing we've been all standing here waiting for you to, you know, that's, that kind of breaks it. And yeah, so games that avoid that mistake where they make it feel like once you're, once, when, you're, when you get into a mission, there's no leaving it until it's done. And then when it's done, the character's like, all right, cool, let's reconnect in a bit. You know, we'll, it comes, here's a buddy of mine. I want you to go see him. He's in the next town. Uh, just let them know I sent you, you know, and then eventually you get over there, and it feels like a natural flow, even though you went to these other things. It's okay because it wasn't like it didn't kind of break the narrative, uh, which I think is really tricky to do. And I think a lot of games you break the narrative by just going to do other like side quests because right? you lose the sense of an urgency or sense of uh, sense of like I guess the I mean there's multiple reasons yeah the linear like a linear story the sense of like progression or a sense of a natural flow to the story. I guess. But I don't know that it necessarily enhances the story. It just doesn't distract from the story. I think it's, it's just a different thing. I think, I think a really well-done game, is, which is rare, I think they take advantage of that. Um, I, if you were talking about like what's the ultimate way to tell a story, I think that, I mean, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. A railroad. Railroaded story is the ultimate way. Because at a certain point, the, con- the person controlling the story controls almost every move you're making. So they're, this is the story I want to tell, and you're going to experience the way I want it to be experienced. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's more of what I'm saying. Just that's, that, that's the optimal way. Not necessarily that open worlds are a bad way of telling a story, and you can make things that are interesting. Yeah. Maybe um, if you were able to introduce a level of choice and decision-making that is a little too complicated right now for game designers, it could work. Like, maybe Cyberpunk will do it. Yeah. I, I don't think... Like, I love Witcher 3, but uh, the story wasn't as good as Witcher 2. No, it was Witcher 2 more railroaded? Yeah, Witcher 2 is, uh, well, so it does branching paths. So it's a very linear-driven story. Like, the open world is it's not really an open world, mm-hmm. but at each point in the story, you have to make an A-B decision, and that splits things, and then another A-B decision. And it has a dramatic impact on how the story plays out. Mm-hmm. The game's only 15 to 20 hours to beat versus Witcher's 80 hours to beat. But each it's way, way more replayable, and it introduces choice-based mechanics that actually impact how the story progresses. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's linear in the sense of you go from point A to point B once you've made a choice, and now you go from point A. Like, there's not a lot of, I'm going to go explore and go on a quest for, I don't know, saving a village or whatever, because it's not part of the main story. Yeah. And it's a better story because of it. But I think it's just a tighter narrative. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's probably also the setting of these games sometimes can have an impact because it makes, you know, if a game is set in a big urban sprawl like Grand Theft Auto, you know, it makes sense that people are going on about their day-to-day, you know, not necessarily just standing there waiting for someone to show up on a horse to their little village and say, hey, my, you know, my son fell down this well and it's been this way for, for the last 15 hours we've been doing other quests. Right. You know, it's... So, well, Anyways, yeah. so, so, Subnautica. Let's get back to Subnautica. Yeah, so Subnautica, I more have an issue with just the gameplay is, okay. I think, very monotonous. That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. I haven't played this one. Uh, it's definitely on my list of games to play. So, this is not a. So, the game is a. Uh, takes place in Bohemia, like 
or Czech Republic mm-hmm. is, you know, old, old, in medieval times, and it's supposed to be pretty realistic to the point where you, you're a guy whose village was ransacked or something, you're the only one who survives, you know, generic yeah. starting story. But in most games, you know, you're able to just kill things immediately. Apparently, like, you have awkward controls on purpose to simulate you not knowing how to fucking play the game because oh, really? you're a shitty villager. <laughs> and as you level up, like, you get better. It gets easier to control because of that. Oh, People have awesome. complained about frustrations like, oh, this doesn't feel right, which is, I can understand. But it also makes it feel like more immersive. That's interesting to me right out of the bat. I I feel the exact same way. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And apparently it's pretty reactive. A very good like open world of everything sort of ties in together in a somewhat realistic sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that makes it enticing to me. That Also that it's a medieval true setting instead of a fantasy setting, right. which is typical of it. Uh, it has a lot of bugs apparently that they've <laughs> fixed over its. I don't know. It's been out for six months or so. Okay. And it's getting better. I definitely want to play it at some point. I'm kind of waiting on bugs to be fully ironed out and maybe another sale to, to drop a little bit on price. Is it available on PlayStation? I think it's available on PS4 Sweet. and Xbox. I'll put it on the backlog. That's yeah, I should take a look. Uh, so Forza Horizon Three. Yeah, I just I've been wanting. I've been eyeing, because I'm always interested in a good racing game, and the idea of like an open-world racing game is kind of neat. Um, and I've heard Forza, especially lately, has been giving Gran, uh, Gran Turismo a run for its money. So I've heard the same thing. I think that one's being added to my backlog also. Uh, I don't really like racing games. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So I don't really have much else to say about that. <laughs> uh, Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl. I don't know. The first Stalker. It's... Uh, it's Probably most similar to Far Cry in the sense of you get guns, you get better guns, you kill things, but it's set in Chernobyl. <laughs> uh, but like a sort of a fantasy, or a sci-fi version of Chernobyl, there's uh, these distortions in the world like uh, that you can go into and they'll burn you alive or give you radiation or do a, like create weird effects, like maybe monsters start popping out of them. Yikes. And so it's a pretty cool sci-fi narrative and you go into them to get these artifacts which give you extra powers in the game. Okay. Uh, so you're going through the game, and the bulk of the fun, I guess, is enhancing your character, but it still stays focused on shooting things. Mm-hmm. And I think people, I mean, obviously it's on this list, people like it, and it's good for what it is, because it is kind of fun exploring this, the zone, is what it is, and going into these, uh, I can't remember what the temporal distortions are called, but going into them and exploring and getting artifacts of them can be fun. However... I think playing it now, like, I've played these shooting games, and shooting mechanics are shooting mechanics. There's just not enough to change the, what you're doing in the game. It's, am I, do I hit them in the head or not? Cool. <laughs> and that's the problem I had with Far Cry, is I just felt like I'm just playing a shooting game that I've played that isn't changing up the genre, versus something like Doom, yeah. that is my favorite shooter. We've talked about that. Because it changes up the genre, it gives you different strategies depending on the group of enemies you're encountering. You actually have to worry about losing ammo. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I really love the shotgun, but I'm out of ammo for it. Got to go to the rocket launcher. Oh, shit, I ran out of ammo for that. And so there's a sense of resource management in that game and strategy to these different levels that none of these open-world shooters have. So if you think, if you think uh, Far Cry 3 had... If, so let's take the resource management. There's more resource management. Like, you have to... Um, what am I trying to say? You, let's say you've got to manage your ammo more. 
Would that help at all? I think so. Okay. Yeah, but it's not like part of an open world structure for shooters. Yeah, so I was about to say the game, which is about to come up, uh, part of that game, part of this, this, uh, like the Grand Theft Auto series is the reason, at first, it, stuff can become limited, but the, one of the reasons they give you a whole lot of resources as you progress in the game is because part of it's just like running around having fun, just seeing what kind of chaos you can cause. I think that's a big part of this, is like yeah. the sandbox experience. Yeah, it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna unload a grenade launcher in the middle of the street and race cars and see what happens. You know, that's, that's a, and you can't do that if you're having to worry about resource management. The whole yeah, time. it's sort of a make your own fun kind of game. Yeah. Whereas I prefer mechanics to master. Okay, sure. Uh, so, yeah, I don't. But speaking of, I don't even think we really need to get it. This is for Grand Theft Auto V here. I, I've, this is one of my favorite games of all time. I don't think we need to get it. I've, we've been talking about it this entire podcast. We have, we have okay, I, this is what I want to ask about. What is a mission structure like? They're, they're all very different, honestly. Um, and they, they do that to try to introduce new mechanics to the game, new equipment, vehicles, guns, you know, whether you're riding jet. There's like, okay, well, let me, there's, there's usually, uh, driving involved is this Grand Theft Auto. That's the core, core like idea, but you know, a lot of different vehicles, you're chasing, you're being chased, you're trying to shoot people while chasing, you're trying to blow, you know, detach bombs to something, you're jumping on trains, you're getting in airplanes, you're getting in helicopters, you're stealing police cars, you're riding, racing motorcycles, you're racing boats, helicopters, you're flying helicopters into the city to blow shit up, you're parachuting out of helicopters to land on a moving truck to then jump into a car. And so it's like, it's all involving, think of all the different ways you can combine bombs, guns, trucks, vehicles, airplanes, you know, boats, cars. So it seems like yeah. a big difference between this game and other open world shooters is that it's much more vehicle driven. Yeah. Because other ones are more shooter driven. Yeah, it's much more vehicle driven. There's a I mean, that's that's Grand Theft Auto's core thing is stealing cars. And yeah, which you, makes sense. I mean, I think of it as an open world shooter, but it makes sense that it's really more of an open world vehicle Chaos generator. Chaos generator. Yeah. <laughs> Chaos generator. yeah. And that's, and then, and the other, and the other reason why I love this series is because Rockstar does such a great job, uh, making it very, like, alive, the city feel very much alive. The world you're in feels very alive. And the other side is the characters are just, and the, it's just so ridiculous. They create some of the most absurd, silly, Offensive. So, so would you say yeah. that my not liking open world shooters doesn't necessarily apply to GTA Five? I don't know, honestly. So, so I mean, I mean, I know possibly. I, knowing the things that you look for in games, I would say you possibly might like it. Okay, but I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, "Hey, man, you got to." Okay, so I, I might still buy it at some point then. Yeah, if it's on like a crazy deal, yeah. pick it up. It's getting Try. to the point where it's like. Fifteen dollars. Try now. it out. So yeah, it's getting there in price that it's worth a, a risky buy. I mean, I, I, there are still people who has still today sink tons and, of hours in this game. I, we I asked you this before. But I don't remember. Is GTA Five what you would recommend for GTA games? Like, if I'm gonna pick one to base whether I like this on, like, should I go GTA Five? Um. Oh, that's a tough one, man. Uh. I think the most fun I had playing through the story of any GTA game was GTA Vice City. Okay. Uh, but it's a little dated, so I don't know how you'd feel about that. Yeah, and that's fair. San Andreas was also one of my favorite kind of like... Like it's dated mechanically. 
and or just graphics. I don't care about graphics too much. They're, I, they're fine enough. I haven't played it in a long time, so okay. I don't know so how. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. I just know that at the time, that was the most, that was, the, that was like the coolest feeling I got from playing. Because I'll probably play one yeah. more GTA and then I'll be done with it or, or I'll like it. I will say this Grand Theft Auto, though, five. Uh, it's really was, good. It's really fun, yeah. Okay. I, I enjoyed it. Okay, so next is Witcher 3. Yeah, Hunt. one of your favorite games of all one time. One of my favorite, and I think the only open world game on my top 50 list. I mean, some of that is because I think the character cast is great, Geralt's great, and his involvement in the world makes sense. He, when you go to a town, you're saying there's like a helpless child or whatever, and you're yeah. just like, why, why am I doing this quest? Well, he gets paid to do this. He's a witcher. They're looking specifically for a witcher to solve this mystery of why is a ghost appearing at the well. Yeah, it's like, oh good, a witcher's here. Yeah, finally, someone who can actually solve this has come here. And that's, like that. that's cool. That brings me into the open world more than the other games. Uh, there is a problem in that the narrative is weaker because you're like all in on finding Siri, your adopted daughter in the game. But then it's like, uh, let me stop to help out this town. Which is weird, like it sort of works because you're like, you have a huge issue, I'll fix it real quick. Maybe I need more gold to get hunt. Paid. Yeah, I gotta get gold so I can find Siri and do all these things. So it doesn't completely not work, but it is weird and it makes the narrative worse than Witcher 2. Whereas uh, with the DLC actually are arguably a lot better because... <laughs> there's, that, there's that fridge. No. Uh, the DLC is arguably better because the, the narrative is tighter and it's uh more going from point a to point b and you're not necessarily in a rush to solve things or if you are in a rush it's like you have to do this now yeah and it all makes sense in a way that the main story kind of is weird about but i like i like playing the game even though the combat's also not super deep Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not necessarily that it's cinematic but it feels very reactive to what i'm doing uh it feels like i have some creativity for how I go about battles that is lacking from a lot of those more cinematic melee battles. Okay. Because it introduces, you have signs, which are your sort of magic, you have your crossbows, you have your bombs, you have different enemies are weak and strong to different things, mm-hmm. you have your potions, so you're managing sort of all these things. And it encourages you to use everything. And it, it encourages you to use okay. these things. Uh, I appreciate that and it draws me in enough even though it's not necessarily super complex of a system but it adds a little, just the right amount of depth that when you combine it with the rest of the open world and amazing characters that it gets me over the hump and then gets me fully invested in the game which okay. is why i like it so much okay and you recommend uh, obviously the dlcs to go with it absolutely is it a, a dlc's like like a module input into the game or is it sort of post the finish of the base game? it is post the base game. So you complete the game, and then now you get the DLC, and now more stuff is happening. Yeah, you c- can do it. It's meant to be played after the game is finished. Okay. Yeah. And, and it doesn't tie into the story. It's like a separate story. It's like, Geralt is back to being a witcher, yeah. as opposed to, I'm trying to find my daughter. Well, I know going back, uh, if, if you remember the last time we really talked about it, um, one of the, the dude I hired in Houston told me that he had the same issue that I had when I tried to get into it the first time. I was like, I don't care. I don't get it. Like, who are these people and why should I give a shit? And he said, he remember he said, go and read the books and then come back to the game. And then now it's a totally different experience. So. I played Witcher 3 before reading the books, yeah. but, I, but after playing Witcher 1 and 2, and I really I loved it. But then I read the books and it had a whole new appreciation. Okay. So which is, which my, is my thing is, I'm, I'm gonna, as soon as I finish the Dune series, which I'm on now in book right. 5, Okay. Uh, I will then go into uh, the Witchers. Okay. 
Uh, so next on the list is Elite Dangerous. Yeah, have you played this? Uh, no. I, so space game, space shooter games don't really do it for me either. I I love the idea of this game. It's kind of like so games like Eve Online attracted me to it just because I love the concept. I love the idea of. That's fair. Yeah, it just it sounds like a cool idea, and Elite Dangerous kind of had some of that, and so I I spent a couple hours trying to get into it. And ultimately, I found it getting uh, repetitive. Uh, a lot of there were a lot of tedious things in it, and I found that um, the learning curve seemed pretty steep. Like barrier to entry, the, that that place from like, hey, you've just started playing the game to man, now you're really having fun. That distance seemed kind of not worth the effort. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, and I even spent a few bucks on the game too, but it was because it came out so highly recommended. And I'm sure there's people who, who are listening to this who play Elite Dangerous and are like, dude, you totally just don't understand the game. That might be true. I don't know. So. Yeah, it's not worth it. If you're not enjoying something, move on. Okay, yeah. Assassin's Creed, Black Flag. We've also talked I mean, about this at length. We talked about and we just sort of talked about Origins. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's a bad Assassin's Creed game. It's a great pirate game. Yep, and and for me, it's just Assassin's Creed yeah, <laughs> combat. Uh I don't know. So this is Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Uh, uh, I mean, I remember playing this. It was cool at the time. I thought there was some good immersion, but I didn't finish the game. Is this the last Elder Scrolls you played? Did you play Oblivion? I played every Elder Scrolls. You played Skyrim? Yeah. I thought you just hated it so much you didn't No. Play. I hate it, but I played it. <laughs> Did you finish it? No. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it's an Elder Scrolls game. You go around doing menial shit, and then you give up because it's boring. I, I guess <laughs> I played Oblivion and and Skyrim to death. I, I finished Oblivion, and I really I regretted it. Yeah. God, that story was awful, and the everything was awful. That was the game that that helped developers stop like auto leveling everything. In the oh world. yeah, I remember how awful. Yeah. Level scaling was in that game. It's like suddenly you get you run into uh you run into some like just bandits who are armed with like, you know, <laughs> demonic hammers and right. glass weapons. You're like, "How the fuck did you guys get? I had to go through this portal, fight all these demons to get this, and now you guys got it too." Bullshit, man. Hey, we're bandits. The the only justification I could ever come up with is that my character was like going into those places so much and bringing so much gear back and selling it. Is that all that stuff was finding the market, <laughs> and now these guys it's like, yeah, well, you brought this back, and it's like, dang it, I that some logic to it. Yeah, I tried. So, it. did you play Morrowind? I actually didn't play Morrowind. Okay, I started with Oblivion. It's a very brown world. It's like super dusty, and you're like, eh, cool. I don't know, like Skyrim, the the snow. There's enough snow grass differences that it's kind of cool. I think and, Skyrim's a beautiful game. Yeah, I think Skyrim, Skyrim's a beautiful game. But I'm just juxtaposing it with yeah. Morrowind, which is just it's just. Brown. Shades of brown. So, so uh, Assassin's Creed Origins did a great job because it takes place in the desert, but they make, when there's color, they make it really pop. Yeah, they it's, don't do that, from what I remember in Morrowind. Yeah, well, it's, that was a long time ago. It was a long time. Designs come a long way. Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, so people really love this game. Yeah, and our friends, uh, Bobby. Huge one of favorite fan, games. yeah. I, I tried to play it. I don't really like stealth games, okay. and I don't really find a lot of enjoyment out of sandboxy making your own fun and that's what I think Metal Gear Solid 5 is both of these things and it just doesn't appeal to me like it seemed like a cool game it was a little bit more enjoyable than other Metal Gears like the first Metal Gear Solid I just don't care I might I might check it out there was also a nice cinematic quality to it that got me in but apparently the story is meh I heard the story was like good but also super long 
Yeah, I think it ends abruptly. Like, it doesn't make sense by the end. Or oh. it, it's disappointing by the end of it. I'll ask, I'll ask Bobby about it. Be like, hey, man, what do you think? Yeah, I know other Metal Gear Solids have good stories, though. So, you may get into it. Uh, Starbound. It's a 2D explore different worlds. Sort of like uh, like No Man's Sky, where you'd explore different worlds. Mm-hmm. It's, the levels are a little bit more interesting. But it's it's akin to a survival Gameplay mechanics of build up stuff to build up more stuff. The mechanics don't really change. They're not really interesting. You know, I you've sort of seen what there is, but you get cooler stats. I mean, the the weapons and stuff are a little cooler than what most survival games do. Okay. It's not just about numbers, but I think there's that same element of make your own fun in the game. Yeah. Or as opposed to overcoming interesting mechanicals differences. Uh, just Cause 2 is definitely a make-your-own-fun-out-of-game game more than anything else on this list. Yeah, I've, I've more recently... I've been, I've, that's on my the backlog for my backlog. It's, just, under, it's under consideration. Just Cause 2 is an amazing game for two hours, and then you're like, okay, cool, I did that. So if I get a free copy, I should that's yeah, jump on. Yeah, I played it for two hours, and it's like, cool. I did, <laughs> I, I did, I did some cool shit. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> right. I just don't see like there's much else uh, to it. I mean, let's look... It, if that's just what you want to do is just do cool shit over and over and you're happy with that repetition, yep. great. All right. But that's not what does it. So this next one surprised me to see on the list. Yeah, Mad Max. I didn't know they even made a Mad Max game. I've read it's fun, but I haven't played it, but super repetitive. Like, you go on missions, you have the cool Mad Max-style car chases, you beat yeah. some people, and then you do it again. Okay. You just kind of do it over and over. I wonder why it's on the list. I think it's the same thing as Just Cause. You have these kind of cool mechanics of like the car chases and this amped up gameplay, and there's enough in the world to like go see things that it's slight variations that people don't get bored with. Maybe huh. it's not appealing to me enough. I think I'd play if I got it for free. Yeah, <laughs> but otherwise, I'm not gonna try it out. So this one, Saints Row Four. I'll be perfectly honest. I've never played any of these, and the reason why is I feel like they're a knockoff Grand Theft Auto. I feel like they're. A stupid version of Grand Theft Auto. Like, like, same thing, yeah. Stupid. And they're, you're right. I don't disagree with you. They're like too a, silly for me. Yeah, it's like a poorly done Grand Theft Auto. If you really get enjoyment out of silliness in games and just absurdity, yeah. and you like that GTA style, I think it's a good game. GTA does it so... They do They do silliness and absurdity with such like a... And they make it an art. And this but game they make feels it, like it's clowns. But I feel like it's absurd. Yeah, but it's like realistic absurdity... I think <laughs> more than more than Saints Row Four. I yeah, mean, oh, Saints yeah. Row you get giant dildos and beat people with them. Right, right. Like yeah. there's just next level absurdity. Yeah. Right. Uh, Westerado and Double Barrel. I happened to randomly play this game. I didn't remember it being an open world game. You go around. It's like a top down perspective. You mm-hmm. get to shoot people. With this like uh, weird mechanic, and then you go find somebody. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Ooh, I want to say more, but it's, I just didn't care about it. Uh, this one I could talk about at length. Did you play Fallout 4? No. Did you play New Vegas? Yeah. Did you play 3? Yeah. Okay. I played each Fallout less and less. Yeah. It's so just I, like a shooter with an open world. I don't know. So I Did you play Fallout 2? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. It's, okay. the, it's better. Even though I think Fallout 2 is super dated feeling... It's more. We, it's and we've talked. We've about talked it. about it. It's more enjoyable to me than the other. Every Fallout after it. Yeah. So Fallout every Three, Fallout. I played all the way beginning to end, and I didn't like it because um, it didn't feel like Fallout. Okay. And then just in just in tone, 
And then Fallout New Vegas came out, and what's great about that is they brought a lot of the writers and developers from the original Fallout games onto that. So New Vegas felt right in tone. So I actually enjoyed New Vegas. But for, for whatever reason, I... This is weird. It's one of those games that I sunk a lot of time into, and then I just stopped playing. <laughs> like, I just stopped playing. Like, I just, I just didn't pick it up. It's like I, was, I didn't have any sort of... I think I just got bored. I was just like, ah. Eh. It just wasn't holding my... Was my understanding of Fallout 4 versus the other ones is they really just did away with the RPG mechanics. And it's just an open-world shooter. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's why I got bored with it. Because I'm just like, eh, I guess. It's things... Okay, I guess I'm going to go... And people were like... Like my brother-in-law, for instance, he loves Fallout 4. He's played played it to death. And he's just like, dude, you got to go... Have you been here yet? Have you seen this? I have a hard time telling him, like, man, I just kind of got bored playing <laughs> uh, You know, I just stopped... Yeah, it. I'm not gonna ever play this game. Uh, it's yeah, it's just a worse version of Fallout to me because it just makes it an open world shooter. I don't care about open world shooters. Obviously, I keep saying that, yeah. and that's what this is. I'm not. I'm not super happy they took the Skyrim style or Elder Scroll style gameplay and transported you know, Elder the, uh, the Fallout universe into it. I don't know if that's the best way to tell a Fallout story. I don't know. That there it might is be either. better. There might be better genres to, to tell Fallout stories. So. Yeah, the shooting mechanics. Or just over, overdo the overshadow the uh, RPG mechanics. Yeah. Always, in my opinion, even even when they're integrated pretty well, like New Vegas, the shooting component is still too big for me. I think you know we had that conversation last time about uh, real time with pause versus turn based. This would be a time when I'm I'm thinking I, the, I've always preferred the turn based combat of Fallout versus the real time with pause because it's kind of what. It is. Yeah, you're right. With the VAT system. Yeah, so you kind of, it's like a sort of real time with pause, sort of. You're right. And I think, I, I think if we're ever to, if they're ever to do another game of, another Fallout game in a different genre, I think something that involves turn based combat again would be the way to go. Probably would agree. I mean, it's hard not to say it because Fallout 2, like I said, is yeah. my favorite Fallout. It'd be great if they just did another RPG style, like top down, isometric. RPG open world game with turn based combat. I would flip I think, shit over that. I think the turn based element makes it say you can't just overcome stuff with big guns. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. makes it more of an RPG. Exactly. And that's what RPGs are kind of doing in different it, ways. It was great because you're playing an RPG, but it just wasn't like swords and spells. It was like guns and Agreed. knives and weird technology and stuff like that. And that's cool. That's cool. Anyways, all right. So let's we got we're yeah, going way over here. We are. I mean, this is yeah, an interesting topic. Dwarf yeah. Fortress. We try. We both try to play. <laughs> it's the it's the game. I can't think of another game that I want to try. I want to learn to play so bad for just like uh, rep. Because <laughs> people who are like <laughs> like I tried to play it. And I was like, I don't fucking get this. And people are like, oh, I played Dwarf Fortress. It's so good. I'm like, dang. How do you? I'm like, how do you? How do you play? I already spent all of my learning capacity on Europa Universalis 4, okay. which is like 10 hours to learn, and I was like, I'm not doing this again with Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> it's, it's like that, it's like that under, like, if you played, if you really played Dwarf Fortress, oh, it's cool. I, yeah, my other lack of appeal is I've seen it compared to RimWorld, and I don't really love RimWorld, okay. even though I can appreciate it as a game, so it's, I'm not going to invest my time into it. So what is Sunless, Sunless Sea? It's know. a, uh, like... Cthulian ship navigating uh, open world okay. storytelling game. There's like a lot of narratives, a lot of different stories that pop up. The gameplay is boring as fuck. More boring than every game on this list. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> it's 
I, I mean, if you want to just read a story, I guess it's cool. But the gameplay is really bad. So if you care about gameplay, don't play it. So wrong, wrong uh, genre to tell that story. Basically, maybe. I mean, I guess discovering stories on your own is kind of neat. If you're just like, I just want to hop into a story. Yeah. I guess it's fine. But if yeah, don't play it if you care about gameplay. Yeah. Far Cry Four. I haven't played. Yeah. So I'm just going to talk about Far Cry 3, unless you play played Far Cry 4. I have, I've never played all, any of the Far Cry games. All Far Cry games, from what I understand, 3 through 5, if you played one, you played them all. And reading about it, it seems like that's pretty much the case, just with a different story. Okay. But the game is, you have a story, and you go through it, and the missions can be a little unique. Maybe you're fighting enemies in cover one time, maybe you're racing one time, maybe you're just ramboing a bunch of stuff, but you know, you're still just shooting stuff. Uh, and outside of that, the open world is there's these little strongholds that you can assault that have between four and, I don't know, 15 guys that you have to kill yeah. before they either raise the alarm and summon more guys or just in time to kind of finish what's going on. So I found that that bulk of repetition in doing these missions where you're racing around, which is another random mission you can do, going on hunts for enemies, grinding gear so you can have better gear, just got kind of repetitive out after about five or six hours. Gotcha. Uh, and if you like shooting mechanics in an open world, I think you would enjoy it. But, again, not something I've found enjoyable. Uh, next up is Minecraft, which uh, we've learned is the second highest selling game of all time. Mm-hmm. Right? No, it's the second highest. Yeah. Uh, we both played this a lot. Played, I haven't played a lot. I played it some. Oh, back when it... Well, I remember we all... It felt like we played it back in the beta phase. Yeah. Kind of... This long I, I just kind of... Piddled with it. Okay. I, I sunk a lot of time into it for back in the early days. I haven't played it in years. It seems like another one of those make-your-own-fun, but instead of make-your-own-fun by shooting things, it's make-your-own-fun by building things. Exactly. That's, that was the appeal to the game. And that was super fun for a while. And then some people have taken it to extreme lengths, and right. I've built some pretty incredible things in Minecraft, but I just, I'm like, eh. I'm yeah, it's not appealing to me, is it? Because it's not a mechanic to master. Yeah. And then, ah, uh, last one last on our game. list. Because, yeah, we're running super long, and i got to get to work. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Mount... And Blade Warband. Did you ever play this or Mountain Blade? Mm-mm. Uh, I liked it for a little while. I did sink a bunch of t- hours into this. I don't know that I would play it now, but the mechanics are like you swing your sword in different directions, sort of like For Honor, just with a le- less complex system behind it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to block correctly. And you, But the cool thing is you get to travel around with a group of like 100 other soldiers with you, and you have these battles of like 100 versus 100 on oh, the screen. That's cool. And you're just one dude as part of the battle. And you can give some commands to say, hey, archers, shoot, or... Guys charge, but for the most part, you're... It's like Braveheart style? Basically. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And then you get to slowly build up your band of guys as they level up as you... Maybe you get your own city that you get to control. You go on castle sieges. You can join factions so that you can be part of this faction that's going to take over the world. And there's a bunch of mods for this that also just dramatically enhance the gameplay. Really? Uh, I, I, I think I've just sort of played it enough that I'm kind of done but I could see somebody playing this a lot because the melee combat is pretty fun. If you get a lot of reward out of just building up stuff, not yeah. necessarily strategically or anything, because there's not really strategy in the game. It's pretty obvious of, okay, I'm higher level, or I can at least fight you. Right. But if you just love being one person in these giant group of battles yeah. over and over and slowly getting more and more escalating those battles higher and higher until you're just you clearly are the best on, in the game yeah uh, that progression is fun to at least do once and is there so you remember uh, I want to ask you real quick about the the 
getting your own city or castle. Mm-hmm. Remember in Neverwinter Nights 2, in like the second half of the game, you get your own thing, you build that up. And it's not really a strategy thing, but you get to build up your own castle base. In Neverwinter Nights 2? It was Neverwinter Nights 2, right? It's uh, like the first first third of the game, you're kind of loose, and then second, it's like... Maybe I didn't finish Neverwinter Nights uh, 2. But anyways, I'm wondering if it's like that. Because that, everything you just described to me actually sounds like a game I would love. So uh, you, might re- you might really like it. I think I'm putting that on my, my backlog. Yeah, sure. I think it's worthwhile. All right, sweet. I need to start writing my backlog down. I know. Hey, Shit. hey it's fun. All right. Um, that was a longer <laughs> list than we expected. Hopefully hopefully you're still with us. Yeah, and hopefully it was enjoyable. Yeah, well, I mean, I had a good time. I was trashing beloved games. It's, right. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Yeah, um, but i got to get to work. Have fun. All right, so let's call it a, a podcast. Okay, I agree. So uh, do you want to do the outro a bit? Yeah, so you can follow us. Uh, go to nosickdayspodcast.com or email us at nosickdayspodcast at gmail.com. All of our social media is on the website. So Check it out. Follow us there and feel free to email us with comments, yeah. criticisms, whatever, and we'll talk about them if you do. Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm John. I'm Chris. We will catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.